Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. Well, good morning. I'm Dan Slagle. I serve as the care and bridging pastor here. And whether you're at the Klein campus in Center Court East, Center Court West, or if you're up at the Woodlands, or if you're coming to us via online, I want to extend to you a very warm welcome. We're so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. We're going to jump into the message in just a moment, but before we do that, let's take a minute and pray together. Father, our hearts are grateful today that the privilege and the freedom is ours to gather here this morning without fear, to lift up the name of Jesus, to be instructed in our faith, to grow together as the body of Christ. We pray now that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, just as you promised, and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, several weeks ago, I had the good fortune to travel with several faith bridgers to the nation of India on our 12th mission trip to that nation. 12th mission trip to India in the last eight years. And this particular trip had much in common with the 11 previous trips. For starters, we had a fantastic team, just a great group of people who gave up time and resources and energy to be able to go and serve the people of India. We had more work than we could possibly imagine. It just did not look like there was any way we could squeeze all that had to be done into a mere five days on the ground. But as always, God showed up in a powerful way. He uh, allowed us to work in, in ways that just seemed miraculous. We were able to minister to 350 children over the course of the week, sharing the gospel with them. We were able to provide training for 90 pastors and Christian workers who uh, need leadership training, who are involved in the work of church planting and spreading the gospel in India. It was just a great, great trip, and I give thanks to God for the privilege of going. This particular trip had one other thing in common with the other trips, and that is, once again, I was asked the question. Now, I'm not talking about just any old question. No, I was asked the question. Matter of fact, I have been asked the question not only on mission trips to India, but practically every mission trip that I have ever led. At some point in time, somebody gets around to asking me, the question. Now, it's worded in a variety of ways, but regardless of how it's, how it's phrased, each person is basically trying to get at the same fundamental issue. And some examples of how the question has been asked of me. Pastor Dan, are we really doing any good, any good over the long term here? Or, Pastor Dan, are all of the, the, the time, the energy, the resources that are being 
spent, uh, is it really worth it? Aren't we just a drop in the bucket when you look at the massive needs that are present? Really, are we making any kind of difference at all? And believe me, friends, no matter how many times I'm asked, I, I get it. I understand. It's a good question. It's one that I have even asked myself, especially I can understand it if it's coming from someone on their first trip to a place like India. India has a way of overwhelming the senses. It's unlike any other place I've ever been on the planet. 1.2 billion people, only 2% of which make any kind of profession of faith in Christ. There is poverty and sickness and a lack of education, widespread, lots of suffering. The languages, the customs, the food, everything is radically different from what we typically experience here in the U.S. I, I can understand how someone going on a, on a trip like that would be inclined to ask, really? I mean, just this small little band of us, five days, are we really making a difference I've noticed something interesting, though. I get asked the question not only on mission trips, but also right here at Faithbridge. Within these very walls, from time to time, I'm asked the question. So, Pastor Dan, does handing out donuts and coffee really make a difference in the kingdom? Does it really matter if I give up a few Sundays a month to go and, and serve as a shepherd in the kids' ministry? Is there is it any kind of long-term impact being made in a child's life through that? Is there any eternal significance to serving on the otherwise thankless parking team in all kinds of weather, heat, cold, rain, Grumpy drivers who don't like to be told where to park. Is there any significance to that? Again, I, I get it. I, I understand. But no matter how many times I'm asked, and no matter who's asking, I always respond with an enthusiastic and unequivocal yes. It does make a difference. It does matter. We are making an impact. No matter what we're doing, if we're responding to the call of God upon our lives, yes, it makes a difference. And the reason I can say that so confidently is because the Word of God backs me up 100%. This morning, I want us to look at a passage found in the book of 1 Peter. If you need a Bible, just raise your hands. The ushers are coming down the aisle. They'll be glad to give you one that can be yours to keep if you have that need. First Peter is found toward the end of the New Testament. It's right after the book of James. We're going to be reading from chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. First Peter 4, verse 7. Peter writes, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so 
as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So right off the bat, in the very first sentence, Peter is communicating to us a sense of urgency. He's letting us know the end is near. Therefore, we have got to be busy. This is no time for lollygagging around. This is no time for wasting time because time is not going to last forever. There is work to be done in the kingdom. There is work to be done on behalf of Jesus Christ. And we don't have time to fool around. The end is drawing near. Now, scholars are all over the map trying to understand exactly what Peter meant by that phrase, the end of all things is near. Uh, There are some scholars who are convinced that he is referring to the uh, literal, physical end of time and space. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got scholars who uh, think this is more figurative language than anything else and pretty much everything in between. But whatever the case may be, Here's the one thing I know for absolute sure. For you as an individual and for me as an individual, the end of all things is near. And it's getting closer and closer and closer with every passing day. And if you are anywhere in the neighborhood of my age, I'm 52 then you have experienced the phenomenon of the days passing quicker and quicker and quicker with every passing year. Time just sort of seems to increase almost exponentially. I mean, think about it. Wasn't it really just last week that we graduated from high school? Wasn't it just a couple of days ago that we got married? And wasn't it just yesterday that our adult child Now adult child was born. Where has the time gone? It's going by and it's going fast, faster and faster. Therefore, Peter says, and anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, you want to ask what it's there for because something important is about to follow. Therefore, he says, in view of the fact that time is running out, we need to be busy. We need to be a praying people. We need to be a loving people. We need to be hospitable. We need to be a serving people. Each of you, he says in verse 10, has been equipped with a gift from God that he is expecting you will use in order to serve others. The clear implication here is all of us, everybody who is in the body of Christ has a gift and is under an expectation from God that they will use that gift in the service of others. Nobody has been left out. The call to service and the gifting of individuals is not limited to just a few. It's not just for some. It's not just for the paid professionals. No, everyone who is in the body of Christ has received a gift. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit seals your heart and imparts to you a spiritual gift or gifts that are to be used in service to him and to others. Nobody gets left out. And it is vital 
absolutely vital that all of us exercise our gifts. Because when one or two or more of us start to step back and say, well, you know, mine really won't be missed. And it seems like there's a lot of other capable people here taking care of things. It makes a difference in the outcome. It makes a real difference in the outcome. I learned this in the most vivid manner when I was about 12 years old. I grew up on the south side of Atlanta, and my family attended a a smallish little Methodist church, and it was our custom in that church that every Wednesday night we would have a Wednesday night supper, we called it. Now, being a small church, of course, the thing was not catered. That probably never entered anybody's mind to have it catered. No, we all came together. I'm sure many of you probably grew up in similar circumstances. We, we would come together and there was a group of folks who would get the fellowship hall ready. Tables and chairs had to be set up. And, and there was another group of folks who prepared the meal and another group that served it. And then when it was all over, of course, everything had to be cleaned up. The trash taken out, tables and chairs put away, floors mopped and swept. It all had to be done. And in order for it to get done, everybody had to pitch in. When I look back on it, it, re- it really was quite an undertaking every single Wednesday night for that small group of people to put on such a big meal. But on one Wednesday night, as I say, when I was about 11 or 12, I got to looking around the room and I noticed that uh, the adults really seemed to have things in hand. I mean, it was all happening just like clockwork and nobody even really seemed to notice that I was even there. It didn't seem like a real good use of my time to participate in the cleanup. I thought, you know, my time could probably be better used out on the front lawn of the church playing football with some of my buddies. So, after a few minutes, that's exactly what happened. I looked around to make sure that the coast was clear. And then I just sort of eased on out and made my way out to the lawn. And let me tell you, folks, when it comes to pickup football games, this was one for the ages. It was a fantastic game, and my team was victorious in no small part because of a post pattern that I ran. Looked over my left shoulder, and there's the ball right there. I caught it. I zoomed into the end zone for the touchdown. I broke into my greatest Billy White Shoes Johnson dance. I'm high-fiving all of my teammates until I turn around, and there stands my dad. (laughs) And he ain't doing no Billy White Shoes, and he sure ain't high-fiving. Matter of fact, he hardly said a word. But being the incredibly perceptive individual that I am, I could tell he was angry. And he made it abundantly clear to me in that moment. Daddy could be a really good communicator when he wanted to. Just made it abundantly clear to me that whenever, whenever there was work to be done at that church... I better be the first one to pitch in and the last one to leave. Are we clear? Crystal. And from that day forward, I was. It wasn't fun in the moment, but I'm so glad that my dad loved me enough 
to teach me that lesson, that it mattered that I was there. Whether I thought so or not, it was making a difference. Peter goes on to say in the latter half of verse 10 that we're going to be held accountable one day. He says that we are stewards of the various expressions of grace that God has given to us. Stewards. You know, a steward doesn't own anything. A steward simply looks after something for somebody else. And the clear understanding is that one day that somebody else will come around for an accounting. And whoever the steward has been will have to demonstrate how well or how poorly they have taken care of whatever was entrusted to them. That says to me that these gifts that God has given to each one of us, these gifts intended for service, are not ours to keep for our own selfish purposes. They're certainly not ours to neglect and put by the wayside. No, they are to be used in service to others because one day God is going to want to know how they have been used. Now, why is that? Why is God so concerned about how we use our gifts? Why, why would God really care about coffee and donuts, parking or greeting or anything else that may go on in the life of a church? I'll tell you why. It comes down to this. Our God is a purposeful God. He is purposeful. There is a reason for everything that he does. He never does anything on a whim. He never does anything harem scarum. No, God's got a reason for everything that he does and for everything that he asks us to do because he understands in his great design, the universe, the one song that God is singing, everybody has to play their part in order to achieve the goals that he has for humanity. There's a role for all of us. And when we fail to do so, there are consequences. Consequences. All throughout Scripture, we see men and women who are given gifts and abilities, who are given responsibilities and tasks. Some fail, and some perform superbly, but in every case, there are consequences. Adam and Eve were made stewards of the Garden of Eden, and they failed miserably. And we've been living in a broken, sinful world ever since. On the other hand, Moses was made a steward of the fledgling nation of Israel, who during his life were enslaved to the nation of Egypt, the mightiest nation on earth. And he was given the task and the accompanying gifts to lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. And he was a faithful steward, and the Israelites made it. King David, several hundred years later, was made steward over that nation. And he was an effective and faithful steward. And during his kingship, Israel became the mightiest nation on earth. But all of the kings that followed David were poor stewards. They failed to do what God had asked them to do. And as a result, the nation of Israel, which once had been so mighty, was scattered to the ends of the earth in exile. During that period of exile, God raised up a woman by the name of Esther and gave her a responsibility to save the Jewish race 
There were individuals who wanted to wipe them out, remove them from the face of the earth, but because of Esther's faithfulness, the Jewish people were saved. And of course, we dare not forget our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who was faithful to do what his father had called him to do. Even though there were those that would pull him aside from that task, his response was, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't understand the things of God. And he set his face like flint for Jerusalem where he knew a cross awaited him. He did not fail. Thanks be to God, he did not fail. There are consequences for what we do and what we fail to do. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, Pastor Dan, I, I get it. I, I see from the biblical examples that, yeah, actions matter. But do you really expect me to, to buy into a comparison between Moses and donuts? I mean, you know, the, you've been talking about the big people biblically. They, you know, they made the book. And I'm supposed to compare what I do, greeting, parking, donuts, kids ministry, student ministry, mission trips, whatever the case. I'm supposed to compare that to them? Yes. And I'll tell you why. Because ultimately, when God gifts us, and gives us a responsibility. What ultimately matters is not the person. It's not King David or Moses or you or me. That's irrelevant. It's not the gift. It's not the unique ability that God imparts to us. God could do it all on his own if he wanted to. It's not even the task itself that he's calling us to. What ultimately and finally matters is this that God received the glory for all that happens through the body of Christ. I love the way Peter ends this passage. He says in verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The reason it matters whether or not you and I do what God has called us to do is because we are not first in the business of getting things done. We are first in the business of bringing glory to God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what we've been called to do. And when we come at it with that mindset, when we understand that my primary responsibility is to glorify my Father, anything that we do on His behalf brings glory to His name. Whether it's picking up a piece of trash as you come in from the parking lot, being a part of the band, being a part of the sound and light, whatever the case may be, it does not matter in God's sight. Jesus said, if you give out a cup of cold water in my name, it won't be forgotten. It all matters. And it matters because you and I have a father who's called us to be faithful, who's called us to work, not only that the world might be saved, but that his name might be glorified. Now, why is that so important? I'll tell you why. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, 
I will draw all men to myself. When God is glorified, lives are changed. When the name of Jesus is lifted up, people are drawn to him and they receive forgiveness of their sins and hope for the future and marriages are healed and souls are saved. That's why it matters that God may be glorified, that the world may be changed. God's called us. What is our response going to be? This is a biblical truth that we take very, very seriously here at FaithBridge. That's why we're designating an entire day to talking about it because it's so important not only to the life of our local church, but to God himself. I am convinced that in God's great design, he planted this place called Faith Bridge and he has raised up hundreds and thousands of us to do his work that he might be glorified and that lives might be changed. And so the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is this, am I doing my part Thanks be to God, there are many faith bridgers around here who are in beautiful and wonderful ways. Take just a minute and hear some testimony of those who are serving. Unless today's your first day at FaithBridge, you know that worship is just the tip of the iceberg of what goes on around here. You'll have heard us say many times that the heartbeat of FaithBridge happens in small groups. More than just getting tasks done. In serve teams, you build friendships and fan the flames for potential lifelong discipling relationships, all while putting your faith into action. And it's happening every day. A lot of times, right under our noses. Hundreds of unpaid servants volunteering their time inside and outside the walls of Faith Bridge, serving the church and the community. In fact, without serve teams, many of the great things you see going on around here would come to a grinding halt. I really enjoy getting to know people. Um, it's always nice when you say, good morning, here have some donuts. Who, who's not gonna like that? <laughs> just, just getting that contact with people right off the bat and them seeing how comfortable a presence there is here in the church, um, it gives them a great first impression and they wanna learn more and that's what it's all about. More than just a checklist of, okay, I serve on Sundays and then I go about the rest of my life um, throughout the week. This is a lifestyle. This is what I do week in and week out. This is the example that I set for my children. For me, it's, it's totally transformed my life and how I see service. It's serving Christ, and it's not serving myself, but it's serving Him. The reason why it's important for us to serve, and especially to serve together, is I really want the girls to learn 
that the church is not just a building that we go to or a place where we see people doing stuff for us. It's a place where we contribute and a place where we participate and it's, you know, it's our family. We've really gotten to know some of the other families, especially the other families with kids who serve. Um, we're all just pitching in together and it's just a lot of fun together. I like doing the stages because I love Jesus and I love Daddy and I want to serve the church. It's so important uh, to get plugged in, uh, both uh, in a grow group and on a serve team for that community. We greet so many people who are first-time churchgoers, non-believers, people in difficult places. So coming into a church where someone's smiling and welcoming you seems extremely important because the door is always open. To, to add to that, when you're out there um, serving others, there's nothing more gratifying, nothing more fulfilling. Maybe us making people feel welcome will make them want to come back and grow deeper and deeper and get saved and actually go on mission trips. And maybe I'm not the one doing the mission trip, but maybe they will because they feel welcome here. There was one day on the way back from after we dropped off the trailers and she was, um, she was telling me, she said, you know Daddy, I love working with you, but serving Jesus with you is so much better. So. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful expression of faith there by a child. Pastor Ken is fond of saying, uh, nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. I know that many of you are already serving faithfully, but some of you are not. And so I want to invite everyone to take a moment and, and pull out this insert that you'll find in your bulletin. It's called Serve Opportunities, appropriately enough. We have them in bulletins both here at the Klein campus and up at the Woodlands campus as well. And you're going to find a listing of serve opportunities. And the reason they're on this particular sheet is because these are the areas where we have the greatest need of volunteers. I'd like for us to take just a minute or two and give God the chance to speak into the quietness of our hearts about what he would have us to do. I, I would hate for anyone just to randomly check off something and toss it in the basket or worse yet, just leave it on the chair. But let's give God a chance to say something to us about where he would like us to serve. And as you check something off here, that, that's not a final commitment. That's indicating you've taken the first step toward commitment. But let's give God a chance to speak to our hearts before we jump back into the busyness of life. Let this sacred moment perhaps be a life-changing moment for some of us. Will you carefully pray and look this over for the next moment or so?
Thank you for your willingness to do that. As I said, when we give back to God, the baskets will come by. You can drop those in. If you need to speak to someone about one of these opportunities, if you want some more information, at the close of the service, if you're here at the Klein campus, you can go out to the East Atrium. You'll find individuals representing all of these ministries. They'll be glad to answer any questions that you may have, tell you about the responsibilities of that area. At the Woodlands campus, when the service is over, if you'll make your way to the Connections Center, you'll find persons there who can help you. But I hope that what God has said to us this morning will be an opportunity for you to respond to something that he wants you to do. Just this past week, I had the honor of participating in the funeral service of a longtime faith bridger. Sweet lady, went to be with Jesus this week. And as the service went on, of course, many wonderful things were said about this person. But I noticed the recurring theme, both in things that were said from the platform and things that were just said informally after the service, was the spirit of servanthood that this woman carried in her heart and in her life. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, more than I could ever count, she and her husband have faithfully stood and handed out coffee and donuts with a smile and a kind word. For a while, she was a volunteer receptionist for us here, and I, I probably don't know the extent of all that she did. But here's the one thing that I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt. When she stepped into the presence of Jesus, she heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear those same words one day. And I want you to hear them as well. So let's join our hearts together this morning and commit once again to being the body of Christ serving as God has gifted us, that he might be glorified and that the world might be changed. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for inviting us to participate. You so easily could have accomplished all your purposes apart from anything that we could possibly contribute, but because of your great love, because of your desire for us to know you, you've given each one of us a role to play. I pray especially for the people this morning who perhaps have not figured out what their role is. That your spirit will guide them, give them understanding about where they might most effectively serve you. And for those who have been serving and continue to do so, I pray that you would renew within their hearts the blessing, the joy that comes as nothing else provides such as serving in the life of another person. Thank you so much for FaithBridge, for a church that is unapologetic about calling people, not just to be a certain kind of person, but to do what needs to be done. 
We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group Director, and I'm here with Pastor Dan from Caring Bridging, who just brought us a message around a question. And I love this question that you were asked, because I think we can look around sometimes and may not see the long-term effects of what we're doing when we're serving, but this question of, is what we're doing really matters? It's right. worth it. And uh, you brought so many good points to that. Um, we did have a question come in I was going to ask you about, though. Um, so if you have someone in your life that's not excited about serving, mm-hmm. um, what do you do to get them otherwise excited about the idea, just as a person? How can I impact them? Okay. Well, uh, you probably are aware that a fundamental principle of relationships is that we can't make anybody else do anything. We can encourage and cajole and show the benefits. In the end, though, that person has to decide. Uh, And so I think the starting place, honestly, is uh, focusing on their relationship with Jesus. Because if someone really genuinely understands what was done for them on the cross, there's going to be a natural response to that of of gratitude and a desire to express that gratitude. So it, it may be that the first thing that has to happen is helping someone go a little deeper in their walk with, with Jesus. Uh, beyond that, though, moving forward, I, I think there are some practical things you can do. Number one is just extend a personal invitation. Mm. Uh, I can stand up front all day long, at, but the impact is gonna be minimal. Pastor Ken likes to say, "What's everybody's business is nobody's business. But a one-on-one invitation is always a great thing to do. Um, if that person responds, Stick with them throughout the serve experience. Don't just say, hey, glad you're here and bug out. Uh, Do what you can to make the experience as enjoyable and and profitable as it can can be. And and then follow up with the person. Uh, Ask them, how was it? What did you think? Um, Where could we do better? Uh, Are you thinking about maybe other serve possibilities? to my mind, anyway, the key is personal relationship. And if you can come at someone uh, as a friend, uh, I, I think your odds are a lot, a lot better. Good. That's great. Great advice. And one of the pieces that you talked about today was the gifts that God gives us mm-hmm. and how He gives us the gifts, but He also gives us a purpose for them. Right. Um, and so a question came in that I think is important, and a lot of people um, ask it, how do you discover your spiritual gifts? How, how do you do that? Uh, a couple of suggestions. N- number one, if you go online, there are hundreds of inventories out there, uh, little questionnaires that you can take, and the end result is uh, numbers will add up and point you toward a particular gift. That's one way to discover. I feel like, honestly, the best way and the most accurate way is by trial and error. Hmm move toward a ministry that you feel naturally inclined to do and see if that's fulfilling. 
pay attention to what particular aspect of it is, is fulfilling. Um, keep in mind what the spiritual gifts are. There's a, a pretty handy list found in 1 Corinthians. And uh, as you try different ministries and you begin to notice, yeah, this is appealing and this is not, I think that will be the acid test is where you find fulfillment in mm, serving. That's good. Another way that I've found too is um, through community, through my uh, discipleship group or yeah, through your growth group. Of others. Yeah. People um, have pointed out to me gifts that I may not have seen in myself or um, just as we kind of notice and point out things in each other, um, a great way is through someone noticing them in yeah. you or affirming them in you. So you hear a message like today and I know um, a lot of people, and especially myself, you get really excited to serve and you and you sign up. But as the weeks sort of continue on and life begins to get in the way, how mm -hmm. sometimes you begin to lose some of that enthusiasm or that excitement for the mission. What can we do or how, how can we stay renewed and recharged for the mission that we're called to? Sure. Well, unfortunately, because we live in a, a broken world, we're always dealing with some form of spiritual inertia. The, things are working against us. It's our own flesh, it's the enemy, it's the world. Um, lots of things can contribute to bringing the enthusiasm down. But there are also some things that I think a person can do to counteract that. And I would put at the top of the list, maintaining a, a strong devotional life. Mm -hmm. When I reflect on my laziest seasons, they almost always go hand in hand with a dry spiritual season where I'm not in the Word, where I'm not praying, where I'm not focusing on my walk with Christ. Um, I think sometimes, depending on how long you've served in a particular area, it may be time for a change. Uh, if you've been handing out coffee and donuts for two or three years and feel your enthusiasm slipping, well, maybe you, know, you need to be in kids' ministry or student ministry or something like that. So ask yourself, uh, might it be time for a change? And then uh, I would also say a word to the leaders of various ministries to help keep their troops motivated. Stay in touch with them. The surest way to lose somebody is to lose contact with them. As long as they know that somebody notices and somebody cares, I think they're gonna be much more inclined to continue to participate. That's good. And I think what people often find when you actually start serving is it's a lot of fun. Sure. And the teams are great and it's a good way to build community. And so um, thank you for the message around the heart behind it and the purpose, but then some practical ways that we can start doing that as well. And it's glad to have you back Thanks. here with us today. It's good to be here. Um, thank you. And it's glad for you for being back with us again too. And we'll see you back here next week as we start a new sermon series, Unshakable. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org postscript.